If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me take Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today I have Hedging back on as we talk all the exciting soccer news that happened over the past week. And I mean, Hedjun, there's a lot of stuff that happened. How's your week? How's your week so far? Uh, well, are we t- just talking about soccer? Or are we talking about whatever? Like how I mean, <laughs> so- soccer week. I mean, I guess soccer can bleed into personal life with the way Man U's playing. But I mean, how's how's everything been? I mean, good. Um, uh, yeah, tomorrow's my company holiday, like uh, holiday party. So Ooh, I'm looking fun times. looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, in terms of soccer. Weekend was good. Today, not so much. Yeah, I mean, I think, man, you showed something against Fulham 4-1. I mean, that was a, it was a good result. It was a nice result. Yeah. That game should have been the way that, like, Manchester United should have played all season long. Yeah. Uh, and because they've struggled with, I would say, mid-tier, lower-level teams, and they were able to come out and win 4-1 like that, I, I was pretty impressed. At the same time, Fulham's the bottom of the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to like, sure, it was exciting to watch, but I'm not going to be like, oh, this is like the change. Like, you know, this is the turning point. Right. I mean, yeah, it's the three points that we needed, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think there were a couple other games that were really exciting. I mean, Liverpool had an amazing weekend, mm. most a lot. Mo Salah was on a f- just like on a tear, like on fire against Bournemouth this weekend. Four zero victory. He bagged a hat trick. So I was really happy with his performance and the way he played. And I was just impressed with like how he got things going. And he definitely definitely looked like he had um that type of form. Um he looked like last season's most Mo Salah, like basically finishing goals, like just looking looking super quick. Um, I was just really impressed. What's interesting is um, we were talking about how Mo Salah's like performance hasn't been like up to par, mm-hmm. right as as last season. But here's the thing: um, <laughs> he's tied first for first. For um, goals, goals, yeah, with I know. Aubameyang. Like, what? Yeah, and it seems like he could have had, he could have like five more goals than he than he has this season already, mm. just by the amount of chances that he's had uh, s- sprinkled throughout different games. And I've just been super impressed with if you look at his expected goal stat, like I think it's like one of the highest in the Premier yeah. League. Um, just the, with the amount of chances that he creates and the w- and where he gets those shots off, his expected goal rate is like one of the highest in the Premier League, n- if not the highest. So it's really impressive that he's been able to continue to get those chances. And maybe that's him or, or like the greater scheme of things for Liverpool in terms of putting him in the right situations to succeed. But... I, I've been super impressed with Liverpool and Liverpool's on top <laughs> of the league now because um, I think this is the game of the week last weekend 
Um, the Chelsea Man City game, um, that really it was really impressive to kind of see what Chelsea did to Man City and being able to slow down that attack, um, the really potent attack for for Man City, and then also put in two goals. Yeah, so I was watching the uh, the analysis of like Chelsea's like tactical um, maneuver on the pitch, and let me just talk about this for a little bit because I think I find this really fascinating. Um, when Chelsea had the ball, they didn't. I mean, they're okay against Man City, like in terms of ball possession. Like, I think they were like sixty forty. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever they had the ball. Uh, it w- like it would start at Rudiger, right, or David Luiz, and the ball like they he would give it to uh, the fullbacks, and then he would track back right near the eighteen, and then immediately the fullback would pass it back to the center backs, so that Man City would press high, right, press right. very high, and uh, that's when Conte would slide like come back for the ball while the the fullback and the um the wings would um like press run, yeah run run uh run in behind yeah run in behind yeah pressing uh defense yeah, yeah and while so the fullbacks have to pay attention to uh basically Conte and uh the fullback and the wing right, right? so it kind of put that put that fullback in a predicament as to making a decision as to oh kind of being in no man's land right. as to whether or not to push up to right. Conte or because they're leaving the space in right. behind them they they were kind of caught in between two mindsets because you have you have to think like the the three attacking um forwards for Man City were p- trying to press towards the ball and they just got caught right and like it just like amazes me how like they can come up with that kind of like tactical maneuver in order to beat the champion. It's like it's like mind boggling to me. Like how 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 did they even come up with that? Yeah, I was super impressed with how tactically they looked, and then just Eden Hazard looked really good for mm-hmm. them. Um, he got two assists in the game, and uh, N'Golo Kante ended up having a goal, which he's not a goal scorer or known for known to be a goal scorer. So that was impressive to see. But I thought Chelsea did a really good job of maintaining the tempo and not making making the game super frenetic. Um, because Man City really likes to get up and down, uh, really likes to to attack. And even though Man City, in terms of the possession stats, like we mentioned before, was 60-40 in their favor, it it's not like they did a lot, a lot with the possession. I thought um, Chelsea did a pretty good job in terms of keeping everything in front of them. I mean, Man City... With a team like Man City, they're going to have their chances here and there. But I still thought overall Chelsea played an A-plus type of match. But I I do think, like, how the game could have turned out differently if Man City came out with their full, like, A squad. Right, right. And I think that was, like, a theme throughout the weekend in terms of... Um, it being a short week with uh, midweek games last week and there being a ton of squad rotation, making a huge headache for us dur- for fantasy and like having 
having players rotate in and out, and we're going to see more of that um, later in December. I think that's going to be a huge concern in terms of teams that are lacking in depth, um, teams that are injured. It's it's going to really test a lot of these squads, and not just the A squad, but the whole squad in general. So I think it was kind of a good test for a lot of these teams to see if we can throw, mix and match some of these players and see if we can still get a result from from maybe a mixed squad or like their B squad. Yeah, and this is right around the time when uh, mid-table teams like that start made, falling off. Yeah, that yeah. made like a good start, like Watford, Bournemouth, uh, maybe Everton. They're going to start falling in the ranks and they're going to start, you know, uh, falling behind the race. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's that's the nature of like small ball clubs that they just can't, you know, overcome really. Right. And this is the huge marker of like whether a team has it or doesn't in terms of during this Christmas period, during this January, December, January period, it really crystallizes what a team's depth can really do for a team in terms of for the season because they had Champions League. We had Champions League, and we're going to talk later about li- about that later in the podcast. But there's a lot of games for these top-tier teams, so they have to rotate a ton of their players in and out. And I was really impressed that, I mean, Chelsea didn't – I would say Chelsea had pretty much their A squad out there. But, I mean, Man City, like, Mendy's been out with a long-term injury. Mm-hmm. Um, John Stones has been starting, I guess, but he, I don't know if he's like, I guess he is starting now, but like company's been out, um, or like coming off the bench now. Um, like I kind of find that curious that, um, like Fabian Delph is in for Benjamin Mendy. And then like, there's this rotating cast of like Riyad Mahrez, Leroy Sané, and Gabriel Jesus didn't even start this game. Sergio Aguero's been out with like an injury lately for the past couple of games. So I think Man City's like attack has kind of taken a hit in terms of what the right combination of players is in order to get the best out of this squad. Yeah, I mean, Man City like players are not the most durable players, right? Mendy. When he's playing, he's like one of the best fullbacks. At this point, you kind of have to think he's injury prone right, because of yeah. last year and then now this right. year. Right, he blew the whole season last year. Right, and um, I mean Aguero's been hurt here and there almost always. Right, and and it's we're expected. Seeing it's expected. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's why nobody really picks him up during um in, in fantasy, right? Yeah, um, because when he's on, he's on, but. When I mean he gets injured way too often, right? And maybe that's because the rigors of English Premier League soccer, and he's a five-five-five-six forward, and like Kevin De Bruyne, right? Like right, uh, he he was like their best player yeah. last year, mm-hmm. probably like one of the top five players in the world. And last he's year. been dealing with a lot of knee issues lately, so yeah, he's been out of the lineup mm-hmm. as well. So there's a lot of. This is a storm that a championship-level team like Man City is going to have to weather to be able to compete in the Champions League, compete in the Premier League later on in the season. And I'm going to see how 
I'm I'm wondering how they bounce back because they have a game against Everton this weekend, and that's not a completely easy game either, especially with um, them having a Champions League mm-hmm. game this past week. So they have to again probably rotate some of their players in and out. Um, I think they rested some of their players this week in their Champions League match because they had a guaranteed finish in terms of where they in terms of qualification. Mm. So I don't think that's going to be too much of a worry for them um, this weekend. But moving on, I did also want to touch upon one other game. I thought our boys, Han Min, looked amazing this yep. weekend against Leicester City. 2-0 victory for Tottenham. And Son contributed to both goals, provided an assist, and he scored like a beautiful left-footed shot. Um, beautiful curl right into the corner. Um, he looked dynamic this weekend, and I was pretty impressed with how he played. Um, it seems like it seems like Pochettino's kind of like experimenting with this team in terms of putting Harry Winks in the middle of the field, and uh, he's playing with he's using uh, Musa Sissoko mm, a lot more. A, yeah, um, Cent- central midfielder. Yeah, it's like I don't even know what it is. Like he's playing out. He's kind of like playing out wide in to the right but then he ends up like coming into the Mm. middle of the field to kind of help out and do some of the dirty work but i thought um i thought he's he's looked pretty impressive um yeah and i think i think it was they did a really good job especially with kane not being start not starting that game and i thought son son did a really good job of occupying certain spaces and then coming back for the ball. And it was a lot of, like, interchangeable play in terms of there being a lot more movement um, out of that position not normally seen uh, from what Harry Kane gives you. It's just, like, a different way of them playing. Yeah, and uh, I I do have him. I did have him captained, so he got me a decent amount of points. But... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he looks great after he got that two weeks of rest, right? He's been playing a, like, a lot of games since the World Cup. So after a much-needed rest, he looks so good out there, mm-hmm. right? Like the goal against Chelsea, the goal against, um, yeah, uh, Leicester City, right? Like, right. I think he already has, like, I think that was his third goal of the season. Yeah, I and think like it was his third goal. Yeah, yeah and... um. Yeah, hopefully he can keep it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I th- I th- I think he's like, I think he's one of the key players for that Tottenham team. Um, I mean, they have a bunch of guys like Erickson's kind of coming back slowly from injury, and not to say that he's lost his spot, but he's been coming off the bench for them, um, in Premier League games. Like it seems like they're. Uh, Pochettino's favoring like Lucas Mora or um, Musa Sissoko um, out on the wing spots. And it seems like they're trying to rotate the squad a little bit more this season and trying in an effort to kind of keep them healthy. Yeah. And uh, we, yeah, we were just talking about this like minutes before, but if this was like maybe 2013, 2014, we wouldn't have seen like rotations we wouldn't have seen like players coming off the bench to bring them up slowly it would be like 
Erickson would have played full 90 minutes out, like when he came back from injury. So there is a trend going on, uh, I think, in the EPL too, mm-hmm. um, of like being able to having that luxury or like even risking games to rest their players, right? Because, I mean, like Premier League teams hasn't been do- dominating um, in the European like uh, like tournaments. Mm-hmm. So Although they, I mean, we'll get into it. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it even now. But like, you're like all the teams that qualified for Europe, all the English teams ended up qualifying for the next round. But there's three second place finishes and then one first place in mm-hmm. Man City, and it's not like they were lighting the world on fire. Like Tottenham and Liverpool had to basically show and get a result in their last game to be able to qualify and thankfully they were for me for my sake as a Liverpool fan but it's not like they were lighting the world on fire in terms mm. of European competition but it was good to see your the health of European uh, English soccer um, in the context of the Champions League and them being able to qualify at least for the knockout stages yeah I don't know what's going to happen in the knockout stages because those three second place teams Tottenham Man U and Liverpool are going to have to probably play pretty tough competition, um, first-place teams. And, I mean, we I did mention that Tottenham ended up qualifying, and that was such an exciting game uh, to watch. And I, I found, like, some of the lineup decisions very interesting. It looked like Serge Aurier and, um, and Kieran, Kieran uh, Trippier they were both out with groin injuries, so they started young Kyle Walker-Peters. Not the Man City Kyle Walker, but Kyle Walker-Peters. And he held his own. He was pushing up that right flank really high up, and they're really trying to push for the goal. They go down 1-0 very well, You know that on. was his mistake, though. Yeah, that yeah. was his mistake. But they go down early on um, because of what he ended up doing. And then from there, I thought... Even though Coutinho hit the post twice, I thought Tottenham looked pretty good at Camp Nou. Um, looking, I, I just thought they looked like they were the better team for a majority of that game. Um, even though Coutinho hit the post twice for Barcelona, um, that was kind of like my insight into that game. And they were able to get that late tying goal. Um from Lucas Mora um, in order to qualify for the next round in conjunction with Inter's tie with PSV. And there's like all these comments going around like uh, Lozano finally returned the favor for a Korean guy, Son Ong-min, um, in this game to save their ass and kind of push them along into the Champions League for them to qualify. So I found that kind of interesting as well. Yeah, I mean... I, w- I wouldn't say Tottenham was the better team. Um, I think Barcelona didn't really have anything to They didn't play have for, anything to gain, yeah. Right? Like, um, it wasn't the... They didn't have their best squad out. They had all these young guys who were... Started their B team. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it wasn't, like, anything special. And I do agree, though, like... Um, it should have been a higher, higher scoring game. They created chances. Yeah. Yeah, they created a bunch of chances. I but, thought. like, on the flip side, that just means, like, 
Barcelona's B squad and like their their youth system is so much like it's so good. Yeah, I think it's impressive that the Barcelona youth squad or youth squad, the B squad looked pretty decent, but I mean Tottenham thankfully were able to get the result that they needed to qualify and I mean, I thought they did a great job of being able to push for the certain at certain times. Like I thought Harry Kane like uncharacteristically had a couple misses on tar like he he didn't keep the ball on target. He had a couple like breakaway chances. Son had a breakaway chance that he missed or it got blocked. So they had a bunch of chances to be able to score. Messi ends up coming on in the second half to kind of create some type of tension uh, for Tottenham fans. Um, but I think they're overall obviously happy that they were able to qualify. Did you um, – oh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, what did you think about Steve Nash and uh, uh, Stuart? Stu- Ho- yeah. I mean, Stuart Holden's done commentating, yeah. but that was – I thought it was pretty fast. I, I muted the game because I couldn't really take it. Um, like, Steve Nash just kind of has to get more experience to be able to uh, comment on a soccer game, I think, and that he – I mean, he was a to- he's a Tottenham fan, so I th- I understand the logic of him being there to witness his team qualify and commentate. And I think I think what uh, Bleacher Report and TNT are kind of swerving, where everyone's kind of doing the same thing over and over again. It it's refreshing in a way because he's he's they're kind of taking this perspective of he's a fan just like anyone else and he's going to comment like a normal fan is. So it's kind of like watching the game with your boys or with, with your friends in some ways. Um, They're going to kind of have biased opinions. They're going to have certain thought processes that I think a lot of, I guess, soccer pundits usually don't have. And it take, it, it makes for an interesting take but it's something that I think is going to take a lot of time for listeners and viewers to get used to as well. I maybe it's the accent, right, of like British pundits. Uh huh. But they just add some flavor to the. Yeah, it, it, there is a little bit more weight to these like British pundits, right? Like when they, the way they commentate, the way they talk about certain games, and they're comparing that to like past experiences of uh, being a player right mm-hmm. and i'm listening to like Stu and and steve and i'm like it just feels like us commentating right and and there there is a charm to that i agree right like there there is a charming aspect to it yeah but so basically we to report for the next liverpool man <laughs> game if we ever meet in the yeah. champions league hire us so we can uh we can commentate yeah, we on can the game do it. Yeah, I feel like we... I'll do it for free. Yeah, exactly. I'd pay money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but actually pay us. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like... Yeah. There's a charm to it, but I think they just need to get their reps. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I I agree. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't watch with my headphones on at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up muting it 
because I was actually tuning into the Liverpool game mm-hmm. because there's a lot at stake for Liverpool la- uh, yesterday. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. But on Tuesday, Liver- that was like the next big marquee game between Liverpool and Napoli. And, man, that game gave me probably three separate heart attacks all at once. Like, um, there was there's a lot of, like injury concerns now because Joel Matip ended up going out or not going out but found out that he broke his collarbone uh so that he's going to be out for six weeks or so but he ended up playing pretty solidly in the back especially with Joe Gomez being out and I felt like they they were dominating the game at Anfield I thought they had the better of the possession they looked better stylistically they created better chances um Sadio Mane missed like three separate like clear sitters that he probably should have finished all three for it to be four one five one type of uh four zero five zero type of game but he missed a bunch Salah missed a couple chances too the one early in in the uh beginning of the game where he ended up having a heavy touch and it going right to the goalkeeper there was a there was a couple different times where I was like oh my god they should be scoring there um thankfully Salah saved their asses and was able to make a really nice move um score right in between the goalkeeper's uh legs thankfully bring Liverpool to the round of 16 but I think there's a decent amount of concerns for Liverpool in terms of the opponent they draw next. And then also, in terms of the way, like, there was just, like, creep, I, gu- I guess, like, little shows of indecision in terms of late in that game, Allison had to save our asses mm. in terms of, like, that huge save in probably the first minute of stoppage time. And that that was the save that was worth seventy spending $75 million on Allison. It was just unbelievable that he was able to make a save like that in that, in that moment. Um, I was super impressed because if they scored that goal, Liverpool would have been out of the Champions League. Um, but I was, those are my general thoughts about the game. Well, I mean... I don't know if you were able to uh, catch any of it, but um, do you have any thoughts on it or like? Well, no, I I wasn't able to catch the game, but um, I mean, I was texting the group chat. Yeah, like no, I know you guys you're informed. you're giving us the play by play. But what a p- like so the drawing is soon. Yeah, right? the drawing is soon, and um, I I did want to get into this yeah, too. Yeah. So okay, let me ask this question then. Uh, which team do you think? you have the best chance at beating. Yeah, and and we could both answer answer this yeah, question because yeah. the same we'll have the same pool of teams that yeah. we would reversing because yeah. you guys finished in second mm-hmm, today, mm-hmm. which is kind of disappointing. Well, okay, yeah, let's let's talk about that right now. Yeah, actually. why don't we talk about that and then we'll talk about who we would want to face <laughs> in the round of 16. So today, um there's a couple upsets. Moscow ended up being beating Real. Mm. Um Roma ended up losing. But they're both through, so it didn't really mean too much. Um, Man City won. The Bayern Ajax game was really exciting. Yeah, because if Ajax won, they would have been group winners. Mm -hmm. Um, They ended up going up 2 1 really late in the game. 
and then Bayern scored two goals to go up 3-2, and then Ajax scored one goal, like, in the fifth minute of stoppage time. So it was just, like, a really back-and-forth type of game. There was like It was a real, like, Champions League type of feel. Two red cards, Thomas Mueller, like, I don't know if you saw some of no. the high- he like literally karate kicked like one of the oh, guys wow. in the face. Um, not intentional at all, but it was definitely reckless. Deserved to be a red card. And before that, one of the Ajax players ended up having like a really bad slide tackle um, on on. I think it was, I think it was on Lewandowski or one of the one of the forwards on Bayern. But that that was a red card. So they were both playing with ten men. 3-3 action pack game. Super exciting. I thought that was one of the most exciting games of match day six. But getting into your group with Man U and Juventus, young young boys ended up beating Juventus. So if Man U actually won against Valencia mm. today, they would have qualified as the group winners. And I know Man U didn't have their usual starting lineup it seemed like Mourinho was kind of saving them especially in anticipation for the Liverpool game Mm. this weekend so there was a bit of that squad rotation but he's kind of he kind of has to feel somewhat regretful for not being able to pull off a win against Valencia against a Valencia team that had literally nothing to play for uh I I think sometimes the teams that have nothing to play for are, are the the worst teams to play against, right? I think they they become a little bit more free. Yeah, nothing uh, to lose. Type yeah, of thing. exactly. Yeah. Um, disappointing for sure because I just feel like the it, it just feel like we were looking at the team that was just like I was ha- I was going. To, the same emotions as like basically the beginning of the season where i was like oh man like they can't play right right like they just haven't learned how to play together mm-hmm. um and that's disappointing for sure it's uh yeah phil jones ended up having that <laughs> own goal that was like a, a ton of miscommunication there yeah. Um, I wasn't able to get Tyler's reaction to the game. Didn't see his any text from him. He was awfully quiet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the way they were set up wasn't very... I mean, it was set up in a 4-3-3 technically, but it, it just wasn't very forward-thinking. It seemed pretty defensive to me, honestly. Um, you know, guys like Marcos Rojo out at left back, Phil Jones, Eric Bailly, they haven't been starting at center back in, in the uh, Premier League at all. So there was a lot of, like, I think a lot of indecision for players that hadn't been playing a lot. Sergio Romero was in goal, too. Mm. So there just wasn't, like, that familiarity with the back line and the goalkeeping aspect of things. And I think they paid for it. I, I mean, looking back at it, you kind of – you're just like, oh, man, all we had to do was win this game. Granted, it was a tough game being at Valencia, but if they win this game, they would have such a lot easier of a draw um, playing all the second-place teams. Well, I, I don't think Mourinho was like, oh, Juventus is going to lose that right, game. Right, right. So There's no. Like, I don't think no there point. was any anticipation yeah. of that, but for the at the same time, don't, 
don't you still think that Man U should I not to say that Man U should have put their best squad out there, but I think just over the course of the game in terms of how this squad played in this game, it was still disappointing. And there's just like all these jokes about Lukaku can't make any touches on the ball. Maybe I'm coming around to to your side of thinking um, on Lukaku about that. Um, I don't, I'm kind of curious to see what types of players maybe Mourinho brings in for this January transfer period. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating. F- I'm I'm imagining as a Man U fan to see them kind of struggle in this manner, especially having a good game against Fulham, coming off a good game against Fulham, and then struggle in this manner where they know they could have qualified as a group winners. So let's get into that question that you posed before. Now, do you want me to answer first or do you yeah, want to answer no, first? Yeah, no, go first. Okay, so I think I think this is a fascinating question as to who we would choose matchup-wise um, because the drawing, I believe, is on December 17th, which is next Monday, I believe, um, in terms of figuring out who, they're, who everyone's going to play in the group of 16 or in the round of 16. So the group winners that are possible matchups for Liverpool are Dortmund, Barcelona, Porto, Bayern, Real, and Juventus because they can't play PSG because they were the group winners of the of our group. Mm. And then you can't play Man City because they're from the same uh, federation, same English Premier League. Mm. So out of those six teams, who would I ra- who would I, I think if I can rank them, I would rank them Porto, Dortmund. Uh, I would say Bayern, hmm. Real, and Juventus, Barcelona. Um, I think a bit of that goes into s- how the squads are doing right now. Uh, Bayern's kind of struggling in, in their domestic league a little bit, and so is Real. So that's kind of why I have them higher up on the list in comparison to where Juventus and Barcelona are, especially with Juventus having Ronaldo. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see Messi at all. So if we can avoid those two, I would feel, I feel, I would feel like we're on somewhat even ground with the other teams. I think we would be underdogs against both Bayern and Real, but not as big as under underdogs as we would be against like Juventus or Barcelona. I mean, Porto's probably every what every team is hoping for as a second place team to face um and Borussia Dortmund even though they're having a really great year um in the Bundesliga they don't have I would say the name recognition slash talent that you would maybe think of when when I guess thinking of like all these all those players like Pulisic like Jaden Sancho, they're all young guys that don't really have great Champions League experience. Mm. So I think that's something that is important in this competition to look after. So that's my power rankings of the teams that I would want to face as Liverpool. And watch us get Porto and kind of like flame out in some way because I'm do because that's the team I, that I want to face. So Hedjun, is there any difference in ranking? So the all the same teams are up for grabs. 
except you're swapping out PSG for Juventus. Right. Um, it's pretty similar. I, I would put, yeah, I would put Porto and, and Dortmund in the same tier as like. So they're one, two. For yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would say Bayern next. Okay. Real Madrid next. So like s- pretty similar yeah. rankings as as me, and then you would have PSG and then Barcelona. PSG, Man City, uh, Man City. PSG. Uh, well, you can't play Man City because we're in the same domestic. Oh uh, right, 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 right. So it'd just uh, be PSG, PSG, then and and uh, and then uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, but I'm just scared to play Messi like in in I Champions know. League. Well, he, yeah. I mean, he's definitely gonna be hungry for that. that yeah, trophy. yeah. Especially with Real winning the past three, I think there's a lot of motivation for this Barcelona team to kind of show out this year. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I I think that's probably the best matchup for us in terms, like in terms of if I'm a Liverpool fan, I I kind of want Porto or Borussia, especially Borussia, just because like. Klopp is still familiar with a decent amount of the players. Not all of the players, but he still has some familiarity with some of those players over there. And I don't know. I'm not like taking a dig at uh, Bundesliga, but being first in Bundesliga doesn't really mean much. I don't know. Like uh, it, it used to be dominated by Bayern, Bayern, and and sometimes Dortmund. Yeah. Right? And probably in the last ten yeah. years, so five to ten years. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like the, there was a clear winner, which was Bayern, mm-hmm. and then like number two to like people or the teams that are not being relegated, they were pretty much on the same tier. I would say. Yeah. I don't know. Like that. That's my take. Um. So, yeah, Dortmund isn't as scary as say. PSG or Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like Atletico is going to be an interesting team, second place team, um, to see how they do in the competition because they ended up tying in points with Dortmund just on tiebreakers and stuff like that. They ended up being second, so I think that could be a pretty deadly matchup for any of the first place teams. Mm. They have a lot of decent players. Griezmann, obviously up top. Diego Costa, for whatever you think of him, is a somewhat decent player can score goals. Um, they have a lot of experience. They've made runs with Simeone, uh, Simeone um, going to the finals before. So it's not like this is a team that's lacking in experience. So that's probably one of the second place teams that I'd be looking out for if I'm a first place team. I'd be worried about playing that team. Um, in terms of like ranking those second place teams how would you rank those second place teams it's atletico tottenham liverpool schalke uh weston mckinney's there mm-hmm. ajax leon roma and manu uh i would i think i mean honestly if I, not to be a homer i think it would be atletico at number one liverpool two Man U number three, Tottenham four, and then you kind of, you know, mix and match mm. the rest of the way Interesting. there. Uh, I would put Liverpool first, okay. believe it or not. Uh, Atletico I, I second. Ju- I just kind of wanted 
wanted you to hear. I just like wanted to hear you say that Liverpool was number one. Well, so. I mean, <laughs> they. I mean, they could have come out first, right? Like it was, if they had beaten Red Star, they would have been first, right? Yeah, which um, is frustrating yeah, to say the least. I mean, that's the way it is, right? But yeah. like, I I think. Liverpool and Atletico are are pretty much on the same tier, I would say, and then Manu and Tottenham are on the same tier, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest are just kind of like we'll cares. see. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm I'm hoping we we have like a Cinderella kind of upset one of these top teams, but we'll figure out what the draw is next Monday, and then we'll make comments on that in our next podcast, mm. and then. I mean, we're done with Champions League for basically two months until February, like, 19th or so. So we got to a two-month break uh, with the busy season coming up in domestic leagues. And I think that'll kind of give a lot of these teams a little bit more time to heal, uh, a little bit more breaks, not having to travel as much, going to foreign, you know, going, making all these, like, long travels to Russia and random places like that. Um, just focus on their domestic league in the next month or two. And that'll be really, I think it'll be good for a lot of these teams like Real, like Bayern that have been struggling in domestic league because maybe they've been trying to juggle and balance all these different commitments that they could kind of really hone in. And that's kind of why, like, even if we get drawn them, they have two months to change things around so they can both of those teams can be on fire by the time february rolls around and they'd probably be one of those teams who are like oh man i don't want to play play them even though even though those are the teams that have been struggling right now Mm. so i think that's another factor to think about as well so who knows i mean we'll find out on monday and we'll see what ends up happening but I did want to talk about the big game this yeah, the weekend. Of the podcast. The big game this weekend. And I re- specifically reserved enough time so we could talk about this game in depth, preview it, maybe put a put a bet down or something like that, do something a little a little crazy or something like that. So we can uh maybe Instagram video right. it or something like that. Um or maybe do a shout out next week in the podcast. We'll we'll discuss the parameters of the deal, but of course we have Man U versus Liverpool next or this coming weekend, and that's going to be the game of the week at Anfield. First time they're playing this year, or for this season. What are your general thoughts about this game? Because I have my general thoughts, and I'm not as positive. I think as many Liverpool fans are probably gonna be right now i think Mourinho is gonna come out with guns blazing okay uh probably give me the start like the starting 11 mm. um martial okay lukaku your favorite <laughs> uh rashford um probably mata or okay lingard Matic and Pogba. So that's so you front three. Yeah. And then a m- and then a midfield three. midfield three. Yeah. 
and then the back four uh, is going to be. Yeah, that's that's why I, w- I didn't start from the back. De Gea, uh, obviously. De Gea, yeah. yeah. But um, is Luke Shaw out, or is, is he just I been resting? I think he's been resting. Okay, so um, Luke Shaw probably at Shaw, right back. yeah. Um, or or Delo. Uh, oh, Delo. okay. Maybe um, surprise start. No, he's been he's been really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he he runs up and down the pitch a lot, so that's that's great to see. And uh, he has a good good cross in. So I don't. Th- I think he Mourinho mixes up with like a veteran on the other side, but like Valencia or yeah, someone like that, yeah. or maybe Ashley Young. Yeah. Yep. Um. I'm kind of curious to see who the two center backs are going to be for them um, in terms of how they're going to game plan and stop some of the uh, Liverpool front three guys. I think I have a feeling it's going to be Lindelof and Smalling. And Smalling, yeah. Yeah. It seems like the that's been the normal pairing for them yeah. throughout the re- through the course of the yeah. Premier League season. So I wouldn't be surprised by that lineup. I mean, I think Liverpool is going to come out doing the same 4-3-3 formation that they've been doing all year long. My only worry is in terms of possible squad rotation, especially with the Champions League game they had this week. I think it's possible that they rotate some of their midfield three three guys. I think the top three are going to be pretty... It's going to be the familiar Mane, um, Firmino, and Salah up top. I think the midfield three has possibilities of changing. I think it's possible that Milner's kind of taken out. Maybe someone like Keita is brought in um, or uh, someone like um, Shakiri is brought in. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with that to be able to spell some of those tired legs in there. Um, I think Henderson actually surprised me um, in that Napoli game. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised with him, Wijnaldum, Shakiri, him, Wijnaldum, um, Keita, one of parent some some combination of those three players, and then the back four is probably where I'm worried the most. Gomez has been out, or he's ruled out for like six weeks, a month to six weeks, so he's not available to play. Um, I think news came out today that Matip is not going to be able to play. So it looks like it's going to be Van Dyke and Lovren in the middle, and then probably Trent Alexander-Arnold, and then Andy Robertson at left back, and then Allison in goal. But my worry is that center back pairing because they have Lovren hasn't filled in that much. It's it seems like it's always been Gomez and um, Van Dyke in the middle of this in the middle of that defense as the first choice center back pairing. And then if Gomez slides out to the right, it's always been Matip coming in. So I'm not sure how Lovren's going to play in that center back pairing with them. And that's probably my concern if Lukaku takes up some of that space, um, basically matching up with Lovren. I'm kind of curious to see how Lovren reacts um, to that physical battle with Lukaku in the middle of the field. I think the key battle, interestingly enough, is gonna be like between the fullbacks, mm. um, with like fullbacks overlapping and, um, yeah, I I think if Manu is smart, that Martial, um, 
Martial Trent Alexander Arnold matchup is going to be really fascinating mm-hmm. for them because Alexander Arnold tends to push up pretty forward, and Robertson does that too. But he he tends to track back better um, at his left back position, whereas Alexander Arnold sometimes could get caught up field and leaves a ton of space in behind him. So that might be a worry uh, as a Liverpool fan. I think if I were Mourinho, um, we we all know that Martial doesn't like to track back as much. Just leave him up there, I think. Mm, like kind of just take advantage of mm-hmm. the space in behind. Yeah, and they'll they'll discourage uh, like uh, Alexander Arnold to not move up as much, which is fine. Like mm. fine by fine by me. Yeah, I I could totally see the Liverpool attack going front going through the left back, um, going through Robertson, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's their plan of attack. Yeah. Um, I, it it I think it's gonna be a really big struggle for Li- Liverpool in terms of I think what Marino's gonna do is actually I think he's gonna not sit back per se, but I think he's going to let the game come to them and kind try to counterattack because that's kind of been their MO this whole season. And uh, Liverpool, if they get stretched enough, they tend to leave spaces and gaps in behind. And I'm worried about the isolations. If, Mer- if Alexander-Arnold's pushed up way too far up and leave spaces in behind with... Martial playing one-on-one against Lovren. Um, that might be a concern. Or Van Dyke. That's, that is the concern for me. Him cl- beating one of those guys one-on-one and then looking for service with Lukaku um, in the middle of the field. I think that's a worry mm. uh, for Liverpool. But predictions-wise, what are your thoughts in terms of a match day prediction what do you what are your thoughts on uh a man use chances this weekend? I'm gonna say it's at Anfield too. Yeah, I know. Three one man united. Wow, that's <laughs> bold. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. I said it. Wow, not even not even just like a draw. Okay. Nope. I'm going I'm going two one Liverpool. I mm-hmm. think I think that's far more realistic. Um, of a score line, three one, three one Liverpool is probably far more realistic as well. But I think two one, two one Liverpool. I think it's gonna be a pretty tight game, honestly. Um, I think the intensity of the game is gonna be really high, um, because I think Mourinho is gonna s- put a lot of stake into this one game, um, especially with the Valencia loss. He's gonna want a bounce back game. I think it, there's possibilities of Liverpool letting down, especially they're on top of the table. Um, they had a huge, huge, huge emotional win against Napoli to advance in the Champions League, and I wouldn't be surprised of a letdown just because of the emotional toll it takes on the team. Um, and I'm kind of worried about the centre-back pairing. Yeah, and you guys didn't really rest your players. None of the players, yeah. On the yeah. weekdays, so... Yeah, so there's that advantage yeah. for Manu as well. I think the... For what's going to really decide the game, other than the fullbacks, um, is going to be whether Pogba can... Control the middle. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the best player in the middle of the... In that midfield yeah, just uh, amongst those... Thr- amongst uh, both of those teams. I... 
just get a sense that he doesn't want to play at United anymore. Um, that that's I mean obviously a hunch, but he hasn't been playing at a level that is satisfactory, and that might be because he just doesn't want to be there. And we saw him like sit out in Valencia and. Yeah, sure, Mourinho could have saved him for the Liverpool game, but, I mean, f- even Fulham... Oh, no, he played at Valencia. He didn't play for Fulham. Right, right. So, sure, Fulham's a bad team, and they didn't really want the whole A squad out there, but... They played well. Yeah. Yeah, we United played well without Pogba. Right. And we lost when Pogba was playing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a combination of things, but we'll see what ends up happening mm-hmm. this weekend. So let's crystallize this bet. Um, obviously, you have Man U winning. I have Liverpool winning. Um, what's the bet for this week? Maybe something involving Instagram, video. If Liverpool Liverpool wins by more than two goals... Oh, so I have to I have to give you a couple goals or something. Yeah. All right. Uh, if Liverpool wins more than two goals, I will change my Instagram profile picture to Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool FC for a week. For a week. And okay. and then change my uh my profile to like Liverpool's better than Man United. And then I'll probably record something with you. Sure. Have your face. Sure. On there. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, if Man U wins, uh, I don't know. If Man U wins, I would be shocked. <laughs> let me first <laughs> well, say okay, that. Yeah. Qu- let me first qualify that, uh, this whole bet with saying that. But if Man U wins, I don't know. What What is it that you want? Ma- I'll record something on Instagram stories saying Man U is the best, and then maybe ch- I'll, I'll do the same bet, change change. I don't know, my profile pic and say Man U is the greatest team yeah. ever or something okay. like that. Sounds fair. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll do something like that uh-huh. and then maybe like, well, let's do lunch or something. Okay. All right. All right, free lunch. Yep, me and Hedrin are shaking on it All here right. on yep. the podcast, so it's official. Um, so if you guys if you guys see that none of our profile cha- uh, picks have changed, it's either a draw or... It it just gets carried over to next time yeah. because I think we play in a couple yeah a couple weeks couple weeks after uh huh so there I don't know it's I think it'll be a really fascinating game I'm really curious to see what ends up happening um I think it'll be it'll be fascinating to see the type of mentality that Manu comes out comes out with in terms of what type of mentality Mourinho instills in his team and that that's what I'm looking for and. If I'm a Man U fan, if they come out guns a-blazing, I, I think I'd actually be super encouraged by that, um, kind of taking a different approach and kind of maybe catching Liverpool off guard. I don't think Liverpool will give, like, uh, I don't think Liverpool will under, underestimate Le- Man, Man U. Yeah, I don't think they will. It's just a huge yeah. rivalry game, yeah. so I doubt that's going to happen. Um, it's on this weekend, Sunday, 11 Eastern, so I'll definitely be – I'm going to early church service so I can catch the game. 
Um, so I'll be excited to watch it. Um, be watching it um, probably in some bar somewhere um, in Inglewood. So I'll be excited to to do that. Watch the game. Um, root for a Liverpool win, hopefully. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited for the game. Um, so next week you're not gonna be here. You're going down to no, Atlanta. I'll be in Atlanta. Visiting with family. I think I'm gonna get Tyler on. Maybe rub it in his face when Liverpool wins. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll talk. We'll recap all that stuff. We'll recap. Uh, some of the Champions League news that ends up coming out, the draw, everything like that. In two weeks, it'll be game game week 18. 18 games have finished. Once we get to 19 games, it's halfway through the season. So maybe we'll do like a fun, like manager of the year, of the half year, Mark. Team of the half year, Mark. Uh, maybe look at a couple of the top four and maybe reevaluate some of our top four bets and things like that. Mm. And we'll end up seeing, we'll, we'll do some like fun award halfway, half season, half mark, halfway season type of award ceremony type of thing. Like premier league halfway player of the year. It's something like that. Um, we'll do something fun like that. So, um, Hopefully, Liverpool is able to come out with a win this weekend. Never. Uh, yeah, you're right. You never walk alone. So thanks, Hedjun, for coming on. Um, I'm real excited for the game this weekend. And let's go, Liverpool. <laughs>